Hi, my name is Kevin Bazan. And I'm Ricky. And today we'll be talking about 2001 A Space Odyssey directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yep, we got some big questions here, so I'm going to read off the first one. It's got a, it's got a few different parts. Yep. Uh, it's, the it's, first one is, what form will advanced or alien life forms most likely take? Mm-hmm. What is the next most logical step in evolution? Will the creatures we may one day encounter be biological life forms, machines, or beings of pure energy? That's a lot of questions. There is a lot of questions. Let's let's. Which start. one? Which one? Which one? Like piques your interest the most? Uh, let's just let's just go in order. In let's, order. Let's take that. Let's take on the first. I don't know. I think I question. think we should just say like, to me, I think like, we will see like humanoid robots. I don't think, I don't believe in like aliens and like a new biological species besides us. I feel yeah. like I feel like as medical advances go on, there would just be like you know certain humanoid parts or even like transfer our brains into like an AI like system like into a computer like yeah, I think I'm that's the closest thing we would get to I think that the closest thing that we would get to might be replacing biological because you already see like the beginnings of that like prosthetics yeah and the advancements that prosthetics are yeah. making like they're not just like it's not like it's easier to like control your prosthetics now mm-hmm. I guess with with more technology as it goes on but I don't feel like you could transfer consciousness into like a computer because that's like something you're taking like a part of like who you are and you're trying to transfer it into a computer i don't think it's realistic <laughs> but I, I will agree with you on the part where there's no like other biological life forms but like, like think about it like yet like like the brain has like electricity inside of it like protons and neutrons yeah and, like you can like go ahead and get like a link cable and like put it through like a desktop is, computer. That is not how <laughs> electricity through the brain works. The brain's electricity is firing through all of your muscles, not the type that you simply plug into an outlet. If you were to plug in an outlet into your brain, you'd die. You know, and you're your right, being, you're right. Your being is somebody that is something that, like, like what makes you you, it's not really, like, like a computer can only intake... Like inputs, right? Mm-hmm. A bunch of ones and zeros. Okay. That's not your brain. Okay. A computer can't comprehend the vastness <laughs> of the human mind. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so we can all agree that the next step for like a new species is like prosthetics and you know body replacements or like even changing like a biological human into like a robot because of like you know like medical purposes per se. So yeah. Okay. Um, and so, what would you say? Is it a new biological life form, a machine, uh, or a machine? Yeah. And for the question where it says, what form will advanced or alien life forms most likely take? I mean, if they... Okay, so, I think we both agree that we don't think that they exist, right? But if no. they were to, mm-hmm. right? Let's, let's change to... If they were to exist, what do you think they would be? It would be... It would be a complete... It would just be something bizarre and different. I think, or it can be something with like, we would be, it would be like a human biological body with a different color or skin. Because I like, would say, I, don't know. I would say there's like basic things that you would have to have to have like uh, a basic like function, right? Mm-hmm. So you would have to have a design similar to the human. Yeah. Right? Because we work, right? Us humans, yes. we work. We got a brain, we got limbs that work consecutively. Okay, well, you get what I mean. Yes. Right? Yeah. And uh, like it all, it all works together. So to stray too far away from that basic outline, you would be drastically changing like the function. So yeah. I think it would any higher life, maybe 
a, just a different form of humans. Maybe humans that have more adaptability instead of needing like a coat or something there's something like built into their bodies yeah. i guess so probably like probably like something different internally like a different yeah. like sit like a body system like lung lung capacity being able to like run faster mm-hmm. be have like the basically have the ceiling of all of like the normal human gotcha. things but what, just higher what about externally like the like the physical makeup of the, uh, would it be like exactly just, us or maybe an extra uh, organ an extra nose an extra nostril Something like that, like if you needed it. Like, if you needed it, okay. Like if whatever planet they come from requires that, yeah, that, that like evolutionary mm-hmm. track, that, I guess then yeah, you. Would. That's the question that can like go like open up new territories. Yeah. But just to generalize it, it has to be. I think the requirements for a new like life being would be something new that's out of the norm of a human body on Earth. Yeah. Okay. And then for the next question number two. Wait, did we finish those three questions? Those? Uh, the only one we didn't answer was what is the uh, what is next most logical step in evolution? I think we kind of answered that in the other yeah, two we questions. Did. But we'll just go over it one more time. I think the next step would be like basic functions of a human, but better. So like mm-hmm. better eyesight, m- more lung capacity, uh, and just overall just enhancing among the basic gotcha. functions. Mm-hmm. Rather than like growing an extra arm or something like yeah, that. Yeah, same thing, but for me, I would change it into medical cases. So, yeah. Oh. All right. Um, next set of questions: Should we pursue contact with other life forms, or should we keep, or should we adopt a more isolationist approach? Explain your reasoning. I'll let you answer this one. I think we should try to see and explore what's out there. Like, if there is something out there, there's a lot to learn from mm-hmm. having that, and so we should like probably do our best to like uncover the secrets because like the universe is made up of like basic like there's no there's like to our knowledge there's like a set amount of like basic elements in the world right yeah but if we go out we find a new one and we find out we can create it here and that can lead to more advancements so so i think that we should keep exploring in my opinion we should but like how are we going to do it like i mean like i know we got SpaceX doing like commercial flights, but how are we gonna go ahead and like do it? Like, are we gonna go ahead and exceed like something bigger, like to the point we can go ahead and hyperspeed into different like universes, not universes, but like galaxies? Because like I think we have to explore really far into space if we want to find something new, like a new element or yeah. a new something. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously that's gonna take time and, mm-hmm. and trying to explore, but I feel like we've come this far with technology, mm-hmm. like. There was always those people that said, oh, it's good, some, so-and-so, is, what such-and-such is going to be impossible. Like in Star Trek, it was considered science fiction where they had yeah. the watches and the mm-hmm. communicators. We got those now. Apple yeah. watches. You're right. You're right. We got, like, those those advanced technologies that seem so in the far in the future. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, the great thing about the human mind. And I think one of the reasons why, going to kind of get sidetracked here, but one of the reasons why AI can never truly replace the human mind is, like, that growth of... Like innovation, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you think it's gonna be something that's gonna happen in our generation, or is it gonna be happening like no. oh, along the ways, no. like long, 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 long. Time. Okay. And innovation like like this takes time. Like okay. You see, um, yeah, I learned in my physics class that there was people that wanted to learn about like the magnetic poles of the north uh, of the Earth, mm-hmm. so they took basically little tops yeah and they they shot them into space and they was doing research just to find out like basic and prove 
a former theory mm -hmm. about magnetism mm -hmm. in which you can use that for more scientific advancements. Shoot. That took 20 years. Okay. So as you can see, like even the small things take mm -hmm. such amounts of pouring time and mm -hmm. work. The original three people that came up with the idea, only two of them made it out alive. Really? Or one of them. One wow. of them was only oh the God. only one that was there to actually <laughs> see the rocket take Just, off. Are you, yeah. Okay. So both the, the two, because it started in like college amongst mm -hmm. three guys. Only uh, one of them was alive to see it, sadly. Yeah. But yeah, it's just stuff like that. It nice. takes time. It takes mm -hmm. way too much time. Yeah. So not not in our lifetime. Not, yeah, even, not for even, sure. even in the next generation either. For sure, not even in the next generation. Okay. Yeah. I th I I think I, I I gotta agree with you on this one. I think we should just grow and expand. But I mean, I think the only fear I have is just like the the conflicts that can happen. You know, like what if we might get like I know I'm think I I might be in like a Star Wars mindset, but like I feel like we might get into like bad territory and might like have conflicts with, with things ah, we'll like be, we'll be fine Listen, I, uh, if we <laughs> if we advance technology enough to fly out all the way over there bro you bet we're clapping cheeks <laughs> <laughs> okay we're clapping cheeks you, you're that confident aren't you oh yeah easy okay human race best life form okay not, not that's not racism that's speciesism but Okay, let's let's stop that. <laughs> okay, um, last set of questions. I'll, I'll let I'll let you read these ones. All right, if we do encounter an alien race, either in space or here on Earth, how will we con? How will that contact make us feel about ourselves as a species? Will it change the way we view ourselves and our place in the universe? What are the most likely human reactions to knowledge that we are not alone? So that first question, going back to what I said earlier, human power, you know, we're, yeah. we're awesome. Yeah. We're cool. We can handle it. Um, I feel like just our general innovation and ability to grow is going to put us, like, over the top yeah. in terms of, like, encountering other things. Mm -hmm. I feel pretty confident. You think so? Yeah. I, Man, I, I think, I mean, that might, I think that, that like, statement you made was kind of, like, 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 Fudge nuggets. It it's kind of like it's like trying to like it's segregating the other race. Like it feels like you're kind of having like a closed mindset of like the other person, like well, like species. No, I'm just saying that we won't get like demolished. Okay. Like, I'm not saying like everybody else is stupid. More yeah. Or less. We're just like we're just good. Okay. Just, like imagine like we build the technology mm -hmm. to like go into light speed. Like mm -hmm. just for an example, right? Mm -hmm. We build that technology. I think like we'll be set because. Okay. Like, if you imagine it, well, we would be the first ones to do it. Do you think... Because if they came okay. up with technology, they might run into us first. Mm -hmm. And it's like a race. Whoever gets there first. Yeah. And at the rate, like, the human mind grows, I feel like we're pretty confident in not getting run over by another person. I'm I not saying you. we should run over other people, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. um, so, for, like, I'll, I'm going to make up a scenario. Um, if we do encounter an um, alien race right um what how would how would like the world like react to it i know the government will go ahead and like capture this like thing right yeah easy i would feel like there's a lot of like fear in the unknown like that's one of the biggest like human like traits i guess is the fear of the unknown like if you don't know something it's like natural instinct to be cautious of it yeah um so, 
when you're encountering something new and you're worried that like hey it's either me or them mm-hmm. you're gonna like I know that there's a lot of people that on instinct will just say okay well me first we might as well attack them because they came here and we're kind of scared yeah. that kind of thing okay. so like um, that's a good point but I think just like its discovery of like a species would cause the world it would it would surprise the whole world and then it would go ahead and be like oh man we gotta go ahead and capture this thing like ASAP. You know how like the Cold War with like mm-hmm. Russia and the US? It, it might it might be like more of like all the countries or like all the continents in the world like to capture this thing. And right? I also feel like if there was like an extraterrestrial life, there would have to be some like some working together with the countries of the world. You gotcha. can't like split that. So mm-hmm. like let's say it lands in the US or it lands in England or something. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of the world's gonna know gonna want to know about mm-hmm. that. I feel like that's something that you should share. You should and Okay. I feel like you know, there's some, there is like a possibility through fear of using it as weaponized to like mm-hmm. push over other countries. It mm-hmm. might be kept as a secret, you know, like let's say like something crashes in England, they put over a cover up. Yeah. We don't know about it. We don't know that they found some alien yeah. tech. Okay. Right. So I think that that would cause a lot of conflict. It with would. The world. So. And they'd be on top because they'd mm-hmm. have all the, the alien yeah. technology, assuming they're. Mm-hmm. Like they got here first. So in order to prevent like world conflict and even conflict with the species and their world, I think we would have to keep this as open like as possible. Oh yeah. Definitely. To keep things under contained. And like, like, hey, that. you know, we we're not out to hurt anybody. Yeah. Welcome, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Be welcoming and then yeah. okay. Alright. What other things? Um, uh, will it change the way that we view ourselves and mm-hmm. our place in the universe? I guess if we don't know we're the only ones, we would feel not as special. Yeah, it, it would. Like out of all of the planets, you know, Earth is the only one with light. And then yeah. somebody comes along and says, actually, no. And let's <laughs> say in the part where they get here first, we've already developed, like, transportation through this, this, and this. Yeah. And we've discovered a whole other element. Yeah. What have you been doing? Uh, what? A half-working prosthetic ways, bro? We came up with that, like eons ago <laughs> get on our level basically <laughs> yeah like, that kind of thing like it, it would make us insecure along, when somebody comes along and says hey you're not special mm-hmm. we did it but better mm-hmm. it kind of makes you feel kind of sh- crappy mm-hmm. it would yeah it would make us want to go ahead and like compete with the other race yeah okay yeah um species yeah race. I, oh yeah my bad my bad, <laughs> my bad. but very different the human reaction that we're not alone it's going to be a 50 50 it's like man that's total bull yeah, like, it, to or, be honest, it all depends on what, what person you're asking. Yeah. Like, if somebody who's, like... A conservative that's religious, he'll say no. If it's, yeah. like, an open-minded person that believes in, like, natural, like, um, like data and, like, you know, scientists, like, things and stuff like that, he'll say yes. It's, it's vice it, versa. It, it just depends yeah. on, like, whether or not you want to open your mind to something, mm-hmm. like, a new possibility. Like, mm-hmm. it could break your entire reality. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of religions that say that, oh, Earth is the only one with life forms. So what if there's yeah. another life form? Yeah. That, like, breaks down a lot of what you built it around. Mm-hmm. And there are some people, there are sometimes, and, like, understandably so, like, when what you put so much time and faith into mm-hmm. crumbles down it crumbles around down, you, and then it's really hard to yeah, cope with it, Yeah, it's really hard to cope with that. So, yeah, the reactions would be bad and good. But I think yeah. the majority would be bad. Yeah. So, I mean, man. That was a really fun discussion. It really was. It was. Had some right. disagreements. Had, had some, had some hey, agreements. Man. I had my dumb moments. You had your pretty cool moments. So <laughs> it's all cool. It's it's all we we Gucci. Yeah. So um, that's that's our discussion. Just to go ahead and make way for for the next segments along the way. You want to go ahead and just like 
say what we're going to be doing for like the next segments? So uh, well, segments. the next segment, segment, segment. Yeah, the next segment, we won't be doing it together. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, uh, the next segment is probably going to be a discussion on the introduction of the movie, part one, the Dawn of yep. Man, and so forth. Like, yeah. furthermore, to come. So yeah. Well, it was great doing this first opening. Yeah, for sure. You. Likewise. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, my name is Kevin. I'm Ricky. And next segment in coming. See you next segment. Yeah, bye bye. Bye. All right, this is section two. Um, I'm going to be discussing about the, um, the Dawn of Man, which is the first, very, very first part of the movie. Um, it's kind of ironic because, like, it starts off in, like, the, like, ancient times in Earth and kind of like starts off with monkeys and suits and very, very, very um, um, like interesting. It kind of like represents us as how humans or man act, um, competitive or territorial and stuff like that, you know. Um, oh, we compete over land and, and try to go ahead and fight over it, you know, how, how they would go ahead and fight over the pool and stuff like that, you know. Um, and throughout the movie, they found they, they start innovating and they start evolving and start having epiphanies or um, they have enlightenment um, moments happening. You know, um, there was like some like one of the apes found a bone, and that bone represents hunting and killing and everything. You know, um, it can be um, yeah, just be killing and, and then they learned how to kill other apes and stuff like that. Um, and uh, that's what it is and. He threw it up in the sky, you know. Um, it, it cut to the ship, and I think the, the ship and the bone is kind of like um, big monumental moments in that movie that Kubrick was trying to um, uh, not interfere or emphasize that, you know. Uh, the choice of music and the length of the scene was pretty like long for the introduction. It was like nine minutes. Um, the choice of music was kind of kind of eerie and kind of was really quiet and had long sounds and long chords, you know, playing, you know, kind of unsettling. The whole, the whole movie was unsettling in general, but, you know, then um, moving on into the next part, which is um, Haywood Floyd, Dr. Haywood Floyd. Um, it opens up with a scene where he's like inside a commercialized spaceship. He starts floating in and he's like, you know, sleeping and then he enters in like a, like a serious space station type of thing, which is basically an office that he works for because he wants to go into a mission on moon. Um, and, you know, he, he goes in and what's weird about that building is like, I think it's sideways to make it anti-grav or gravity, artificial gravity. So that was the weird part. Some of the, you know, cool product placements in there was, was that there was IBM, AT&T, you know, um, they even, one of um, Floyd's um, daughter even mentioned like the Bush babies um, from the 50s and then Face, or um, no, not FaceTime, I mean, that's for another thing I'm gonna point out, but you know, and Hilton Hotel and stuff like that, you know, they come in and some of the technology that we found that happened from the 60s or as concepts in the 60s and now into reality in 2019 was the FaceTime, um, the, the the passcode, the voice lock, the voice unlock, you know, the, the monitors on, on the walls, monitors on the on behind the seat on the on the spaceship, um, commercialized spaceship, and and etc. Um, 
you know, the reason why these, you know, I think this element of like these technology and and the product placements is just a good element of like um, realism. How cute, you know, if cute, like hypothetically, if we live in that kind of world, it kind of makes it immersive enough to the point it makes us believe that this will be our future. And Kubrick did a good job on that. Um, and the monolith, the monolith is a very big circle thing. There was two scenes that happened on it. it was with the apes um, going around it, and same thing happened again with the uh, with the thing. I feel like the monolith is kind of like a like a. Um, I think it's just like an indication that the that the act is almost over at that point. But the monolith can also mean like a um, like something that it, it can mean like. Uh, this is the next step in the hum humankind. This is a new generation that's going to be opened up. This is going to this this is a gateway to more territory, or this is a gateway to to new heights. You know, so yeah, that's it. So that's Dawn of Man. Um, so um, also, Dr. Haywood Floyd was discussing about the man mission on the moon and stuff like that, and they discovered the monolith again, and then it transfers us over into. The Jupiter mission. So yeah, the Jupiter mission is the best part. Um, it's basically about AI, and it's going to be coming in the set next segment. So hope to see you there. Bye bye. All right. So this is um, the next segment. Um, so we're gonna be talking about the next segment, which is probably like the most like eye-popping segment and the most like um, scary one. Kind of kind of raise up a couple of hairs, you know, here and there. Um, it's the Jupiter mission, you know, with um, David Bowman, Frank Poole, and HAL 9000. Now HAL 9000 is an AI learning AI that is very very advanced, um, and honestly, he's basically Siri or um, Cortana or even. Um, the Google Assistant, you know, he's basically that, um, but, I mean, spoiler alert, he, he, he turns his back around, and probably there's a so-called, quote-unquote, um, error that he did, you know, and Hal is very human-like, you know, he had, he felt, he has emotion, um, he, he's very, he, he controls the ship, you know, he's basically the brains and the nerves of the ship, and, um, it's kind of worrying, you know, um, Frank Poole and David Bowman, you know. Um, I mean, it happened in stages, you know. Um, Hal kind of picked up, he was like, there's a fault at a A35 unit, and it's a gyroscopic device that was to go ahead and have communications between the mission and the Earth. Um, so David Bowman was like, okay, I'll go ahead and go out, go out to ship. And then um, mission control was like, it's a foolproof and incapable error. And um, the 9000 computer had made an error, and basically another AI unit basically um, was like, or another 9000 unit was like, no, there's nothing wrong here. And how was like, um, how um, am I wrong? Like, 9000 units are supposed to be 100% correct. Um, so that kind of that kind of has like a manipulative or lying like characteristic. Um, I feel like HAL 9000 is very different, you know, um, it, 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 can, it can be, and he's trying to say it's, it's a human error, or it, you know, it's very scary, you know, so, um, the two guys in the mission, Dr. Bowman 
and Frank Poole, or not Dr. Bowman, um, David Bowman and Frank Poole, they're like, okay, um, they got trapped in another pod, turn off the, the systems, but what's, what, what caught me really bad was that even though they turn off the microphones in the ship, so Hal can't read, Hal can read lips, and I'm like, oh god, like, that's, that, that kind of like, screwed me over, I'm like, man, Kubrick, you're, you're ahead of the game, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, that's, but that was kind of genius, that's kind of like my favorite part, honestly, um, and then they're like, okay, we gotta go ahead and take out, um, Hal 9000's stuff, um, he, they have to dismantle him as soon as possible, and try to get this over with, and we have to go ahead and just get it over, you know, so yada yada, they have, they have their own, like, mission, too, about Hal, and then, um, Hal kind of, like, Hal kind of, um, just, it kind of just, you know, decides to go ahead and turn off the, 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 um, the sleeping cabins and kill basically everyone's vital system, like, just knock down everyone, so, unfortunately, Frank Poole was in there, and I think he, I think he died, probably, or no, maybe it was the, I think it was, I'm not sure, I think it was him, or just some colleagues in the pods that were in there, I think Frank Pohl got, got, got sucked, got, was sucked out of the thing, or, you know, just didn't come in the bay doors on time when he was trying to, um, I think that's what's up, so, yeah, Oh, yeah, 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 my bad, my bad. Yeah, it was Frank Pohl that went out, not David Bowman. Bowman was just in the ship and just trying to go ahead and replace the malfunctioning unit and returned. And then Full went outside, and then he couldn't find anything, and then he couldn't come inside the the, the thing because HAL 9000 was like, nope, you're not coming back in. So um, that, that was just weird. Um, it's, it, it's confusing because, like, it's like, um, does Hal know that he's being used for human, you know, leisure or for human, you know, thing? Or maybe he's just, maybe he kind of has, like, he's a learning AI and he just kind of found a personality and he kind of, like, falled into that, um, snake type of personality and he's kind of like, no, you know? And it's kind of weird because, like, Hal 9000 and, um, Bowman had a conversation and how 9000 kind of felt human. There was like a, he, he kind of felt like a grounded character. He's like, man, there's something wrong about this mission. I feel like there's something that we're missing. There's, there's some feeling. And I felt like that was kind of foreshadowing the fact that he might be turning back, you know. Um, but back, but besides, back to um, the what's going on. So since Frank Pohl is kind of trapped out there, Bowman has to go ahead and come back out and try to get Bowman's body inside the ship. Unfortunately, that didn't work at all. How 9000 locked Bowman out as well. He's like, I can't let you do that. Or it, basically that, or saying, what's wrong, Bowman? And stuff like that. And they was like, man. Um, uh, they were like, okay, I gotta go ahead and get into the ship as soon as possible. And he, you know, he, he was like, okay. Um, he gotta go ahead and put... Position his pod first. He lets go of Frank, so rest in peace, Frank. Um, he was a great, great astronaut or whatever he is. So he pos- so um, Bowman positions his pod into the bay door, and he, I think what he did was just like he 
opened it from the space thing, outside from his space suit, manually opened it, and then after that, he came inside, back inside, and then tried to go ahead and let the vacuum of the ship suck him inside the inside of, suck him back inside the spaceship, and then that's, how, that's what's going to happen. And that was really dangerous because, like, and kind of, like, impossible to do because, like, a space vacuum is very, very, like, dangerous. It can just suck you in really fast and you can't even, like, in, like, a snap. So, that's, that's, like, whoa. So, yeah, that, that's how they, that's, that's how they went in. It, it's kind of, like, a weird way to come back in and very risky. Uh, I think that's, like, the most action, like, oriented scene, honestly, of David Bowman getting inside the ship in the weirdest way by manipulating the vacuum or utilizing the space vacuum to, um, quirk per se. And, um, now this is where, you know, um, but, um, Hal kind of like starts having his, you know, malfunction or maybe his evil side. Cause Hal's kind of more of like the antagonist of the story or even like the main theme of it, of, you know, going, tying back into the territorial type of thing. It's kind of like the same thing, territorial and, and violent, you know, actions, you know, by killing, how killed and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, and it's crazy because like Bowman was, Bowman did that. He went inside how, or went inside like the core of how, and he removed every like learning thing or, um, like cassette tape that they installed inside him so he can learn. Or, like, archives of things that he just kind of, like, looks through and sources and stuff like that. Every time he's, like, every time, like, every cassette tape is, like, being removed, he's, like, I feel it, Dave. I feel it, Dave. Like, I, I'm horrible at impressions, but he kind he felt pain electronically of the cassette tape going out. He's, like, I feel it. I feel it. And then he starts to regress. I kind of got, like, the flowers for Algernon effect. I don't know. Like, when when the guy was, like, you know progressively like getting getting dumber and dumber and dumber you know what goes up comes back down or what goes up must come down you know so yeah that's that's that um he um how malfunction um i think that's that's a definite malfunction because i don't think any ai can do that you know i feel like it's just i think when they were developing HAL, I think they put up too many open sources. Too much to the point they would just let in the negative sources in for him to learn. And I think that's what put him, like, in that position. So it's definitely a malfunction. I think it's just a developer, or whoever developed him, just opened too much um, opportunities for him at his power. And I felt like they should have put more limitations in his possession. So yeah, that was a that was a really intense... Um, sequence um i know it's kind of hypocritical of me saying that because i kind of fell asleep during one of the sections probably because i was having a rough day but i managed to go ahead and just watch through um some of the clips on youtube and try to piece up to get the puzzle pieces together and stuff like that and yeah i think this is one of those movies where you have to like have your coffee in the morning so yeah that concludes that and we're going to be talking about jupiter beyond the infinite and this part is kind of like my favorite. It's kind of like really scary. And I'm like, man, the buildup in this thing was crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and take a little break and go ahead and see you in the next one. Bye-bye.
this is our last part. I, I promise. So this is actually my favorite part. I say that many times. I think I said that before, but I, I swear this is my favorite segment of the film. This is this is what woke me up, honestly. Um, so after Bowman, you know, fix or removes how nine thousands, you know, Intel or whatever he, he has, you know, the cassette tapes. I, I call it, you know. Um, a monolith appears, I think. Um, and I think Bowman kind of like approaches it when he when he sees Jupiter, and he goes on a weird trip right after that. You know, I think he's in a space pod too at the same time, and the images he see was like shoot. It kind of low key looked like an acid chip trip. Honestly, I'm like, gosh darn. So. Um, what he what, what what he was seeing was basically you know scenery, scenery from Earth from everywhere, and they're color graded differently. They the, the hue the hue I think what it's called the hue colors they kind of change it so it kind of looks like like purple mountains you know purple skies or blue skies pink skies you know yellow grass and stuff like that, and they would have nature shots too along the way. They're like very fit quick, fast, fast, and it kind of looked like a psychedelic trip, too, you know, like, there was, like, imagery of, like, you know, tubes and colors and, and stuff like that, you know, it's very amazing, um, and I feel like that was, that was, it's, it's, I think that scene was very long, to me, it felt very long, you know, it kind of felt like 10 minutes of, like, seeing, Im like, Im like, colorful images that might make me sick. You know, those images look very unsettling, honestly. And plus, with the music, with like, nah, and, you know, all that jazz, it's, it can be a bit, kind of be a bit annoying sometimes, but that's the 60s for you. Um, uh, so, after that, you know, acid journey or psychedelic journey-like experience that Bowman had to put through, um, he ends up in like a, in, in a white room with, um, floors that have lights in them, like bright LED lights. It's very white. It looks very modern. Very, very white, but vintage at the same time. And, you know, he, and he's still in a spacesuit. And there's like a table here and there, kind of looked like a hotel room, honestly, from the Trump Tower. And, you know, he, he was walking around and, and he sees tables, and, 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 and it looks very homey. It looks like a Jetsons home, honestly. So he runs into an old man, and it looks like him, his older self. I felt like that was the actor for Bowman just wearing old hag makeup from the makeup crew. And that just kind of connects how, um, how what, what would the future look for him, honestly. I think this is where the monolith just says the says the message honestly, and that's what it is is just seeing himself as an old man for the next thirty five years or even beyond honestly um and this is this is kind of like the weird ending you know um I don't even know what happens to Bowman in in there you know I think he's just kind of kind of dies or just kind of doesn't even, the camera doesn't even focus on him because um, I was just really confused. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, but the old man was on his bed, and basically he sees the monolith. He dies, 
or not even die. He just kind of disappears and turns into a fetus. And he sees a monolith. The fetus enters the monolith. And it it's like, man. Um, it kind of explains the, it kind of, I think this is, this, this kind of differentiates the, the monolith theme from the previous two, from Dawn of Man to the Jupiter mission. Um, I felt like this is kind of like Kubrick telling us this, um, the, 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 the message that this is what our next generation will look like. This is what, this is what our kids will be having the, this time, you know, and he might be right. Honestly, right now we're having some of the technology, you know, we're having like FaceTime, you know, and everything, you know, these smart AI, you know, we're getting closer, you know, to that. It's just that we're ha- we haven't perfected it yet, but we have the technology right now. We're researching it at right, you know, we're re- re- we are researching it right now. I'm sorry. So, um, and it's kind of like. The fetal once the fetus enters the monolith, it starts getting big and big and bigger. It kind of starts becoming the size of the moon, and the Earth, he's facing the Earth. He or she, or it, because I don't even know what it is. Um, it's just facing the Earth and looking at it, and then it kind of reverts back to the same theme. I don't know if I mentioned it in the very first one, but in the Dawn of Man, with the bone in the spaceship, it kind of has like the da da da. I think boom, 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 you know, and it kind of, kind of like, it's kind of like the bow on top, you know, um, kind of like a nice little circle around and, and complete it, um, and that's just saying a big message, you know, it's like, this is what it is, and this is the next step, this is our big innovation, you know, um, I felt like the main themes of this movie was like, innovation, negative ties of innovation mankind and how we become successful and unsuccessful and the dangers of the future and what can technology do to harm us as the human race you know so um i think that about to wrap up you know and in my opinion the set the ending was not satisfying like it i mean to a film like as myself as an individual to a to a film geek, this is satisfying because it makes me thinking and like a person that is like into into art and deep messages, it's satisfying. But as if I was watching it casually, no, this is not satisfying. If you're a casual movie watcher, this is not satisfying because um, it just leaves you confused. You know, it's like, okay, shoot. And plus on top of that, I felt like, you know, you didn't really have a nice connection between characters, you know, like, the characters kind of had, like, their own screen time, kind of felt like mini episodes, you know, like, Space Odyssey had, like, three episodes chopped into one big whole film, and we really didn't get enough background with the characters, and we didn't really have, like, their, like, have their main goals, they kind of felt flat, but round at the same time, the only character that felt round was HAL 9000, because, he was good, and then he became an antagonist of the plot at the very end. And so, that's just me, honestly. Um, I'm I kind of rambling right now, um, but, I mean, those, that's kind of, I think we're ending to the point that I have to go ahead and close up for this podcast and this episode, because I think we just reached the end. And thank you for listening. 
um, throughout the whole thing. I hope I did not spill out BS because I because ho- I'm just trying to remember what I did and I'm looking at my notes what I what I wrote in. But, but yeah, 2001: A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, Kubrick, Kubrick. I think that's how you say. It. I think that, that, I think that's how you say it. But um, yeah, that's it's it's a great movie. Um, it like I mean the production value was just great. Um, I mean, if you're like a, a spot, you know, as an aspiring like artist, I value this movie a lot because just like looking at the shots, I'm like, man, like this is genius. Like, and plus the fact that CGI wasn't a thing, or even like, it, it just it's just amazing. And I was just watching the, the documentary of like you know the crew members just discussing what what's going on and how the production was made. It's like, man, this is this is core film work. Instead, you know. I felt I felt it felt like a movie to me, you know, like working on props and tricking the audience, you know, by using it instead of having like, okay, just just wear this motion capture suit and look at the green screen. And honestly, I think this is the movie that we need. I I want more movies like this or at least production like production quality like this. You know, I want to see the director challenge themselves and try to create something new. And that's what Kubrick did, you know. He worked on The Shining, and that was something different, honestly. And I can go on and on. But um, that kind of wraps up the thing, um, this episode, or this discussion. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I enjoyed doing it. Shout out to Ricky for opening up with me. I hope he's doing well. So, yeah, hope you guys have a great day, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.